When I think of the bottom line or, or frugality or, or money management type of things where you have even, you know, envelopes and you, you, you learn how to save for something and you learn how to balance your checkbook and, and do those types of things. Those are all good. Those are good ways of managing your money. Really, to, to not know where it is, is just as, as poor stewardship as to uh, be so controlling that you know where every single penny is. If you have a system that you manage your money in, I'm not, I'm not coming against that at all. In fact, I was taught to do this from little up. My mom's very detailed. She, she was very specific in, in how to, if, if I would get birthday money, if I'd get a, 10, a $10 bill for birthday money, I'd ask for ones. Because you can't split up a $10 bill and you can't put $1 in the tithe envelope and you know $3 in the long-term savings and $2 in the short-term savings and keep five for yourself. I mean, that's what we would do. From little up, from as little as I can remember, I knew where my little drawer where my little folder was in the file cabinet and my envelopes were in there and that's where I kept that's where I separated out the money that's good stuff that that is that's wisdom how can you take what you have if you don't know what you have how can you give what you have if you don't know what it is so if you're not managing your money learn how to do that that is that is very important and so often when we talk about Poverty mindset versus prosperity mindset, we tend to just think this massive amount or this little amount. That's not what we're talking about. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart toward it. And John, you mentioned that today. That it's not about the specific amount. So, when I think of managing money, I see all the, the, the logical, the envelopes, okay, the, the specific places to do this. And then I go, it's missing something. It's missing heart. It's, it's sterile. It's just the envelopes with whatever's in there. There's no heart behind it. Now, if you're specifically saving for something, as a kid, if you're saving for a, a, a dog or a dirt bike, or a, I guess I'm saying boy stuff, um, if you're saving for something, there's a little heart behind it because you go, oh, that's gonna get me that thing. But there's no real emotion attached to it. So if you think of money as something that simply reveals what's in your heart, and this is what we're going to get into next week, is the specifics of what's in your heart. And money, I, I like to think of money as a revealer. It's like it, it opens up what's, what's really in there. Kind of like, I mean, okay, so... I have never experienced this. I've never, I've never been drunk. I don't drink, so it's, I'm not speaking from experience here. But alcohol is called a truth serum. I mean, like you, you, you want to know what's in a guy's heart? Give him alcohol. Pretty soon, the the inhibitors or the the the, the blocks that he has will start to fall away, and and you see a guy that you go. Why is he talking like that? I didn't know he had language like that. That was already in there. 
the, the alcohol didn't make him do that. The alcohol is actually not the, not the bad part. It's, it's what's re, what it's revealing. It gets that man into position that he shouldn't be in. If there's a man dealing with lust, you, you give him alcohol. Pretty soon he's hanging all over the women. Why? Because that's what's in his heart. You give a man money, and if his heart is not for the king, he'll start to use it in ways that satisfy his heart. He'll start to use it in ways that, that make him feel better. Or maybe, maybe to try to calm the fears that he has. He'll start to use it to comfort himself. See, the money is simply a revealer. I want you to think about yourself. Think about what money reveals about you. If you had a pile of money dumped on you, what would you do with it? What would it reveal about you? What if you had a million dollars given to you today? And by the time you left the parking lot, the Lord had told you to give it all away. What would you do? How does that make you feel to envision that? You go, my ship just came in and sailed out the harbor. Like, wait a minute. Are you willing to go through these little exercises with the Lord? He's done this with me. Are you willing? See, if you, if you have a million dollars all at once, your entire life could change. For you, for your kids, for, for real. Like, it, it could change your existence. But if your heart is not for the king, it would destroy you. Or could. See, if you would be willing to give it all away, why would God not be willing to give it to you? If you hold on to it, and he knows it could destroy you, he can't give it to you. Do you understand doing these little exercises? I mean, if you're willing to sit with the Lord, he, he'll say, and you go, no, hold on. Like, are you, are you for real? Should I be looking for somebody that's going to give me an envelope or a, a brown bag of cash? And he won't answer you. He'll say, would you give it away? Like, he'll test you. He'll ask you how, where, where your heart is. He'll, he'll, he'll make you go through these exercises and he will instruct you. He'll lead you. If you're willing. He'll only take you as far as you're willing to go. But if you're willing, he will do this. I have seen, and this is just in my experience, from the people that I've interacted with, I've seen more people that, that I would classify as poor or not wealthy. I've seen more love of money in poor people than in rich people. Because money is their answer. See, love of money doesn't mean that people have a lot of money. The love of money means I'm looking to money. I'm worshiping money, or I, money is my answer. If a person doesn't have enough to, to eat, their, their answer is in something to eat. So they're looking to a provision of some kind. Even if, if, if there are wealthy people who have a love of money, it's only because they have the same heart as a poor person. They don't have enough. Make sense? John D. Rockefeller, I think it was, when he was asked, how much is enough? Do you know what his answer was? Did anybody hear it? A little bit more. He was a poor person in his heart. If his heart said a little bit more, he had a poverty mindset. With all of that wealth, his heart still trusted in money. If a little bit more 
was his answer? More would not answer it, would not solve it for him. You know what his answer should have been? Give it all away. What did Jesus tell the, the rich young ruler? This man came to him and said, I've done it all. I've, I'm, I'm living right. What else should I do? And Jesus looked at him and realized that his heart was tied to money. And he said, give it all away. And the man went away sorrowful because he realized he couldn't. He, he realized, now he could have, but he thought he couldn't. He realized, my heart is so tied to this, I think I'll die if I do that. But he would have been free if he would have done that. This is about each one of you individually, even husbands and wives. Don't just go, well, this is what we believe, right? Like, no, you spend time individually with the Lord because the Lord will speak to you. He wants your heart, not just because you share an account. Well, I guess we'll both sort of agree on this. No, you both need to get to the place where you know that God has your heart and 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 you have his heart, like where you, you can follow his leading the way he's, the way, uh, where he's taking you. In uh, Luke 16.10, what we had read earlier, uh, Jesus says that the least area of trusting God is with money. So he says, if, if you are not faithful in that which is least, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So the true riches are all of the principles of God all of the kingdom of God. So money being the least, he said, he's talking about being faithful in that which is least. It's because it's something that is, that is a tangible, natural thing that the moment we apply it to king, we apply kingdom principles to it, it becomes spiritual. And it, it then affects our spiritual life. If you want to hear God's voice, start with your money. I mean it. You may not want to hear it, but it's true. I know that it's true. And Jesus said, this is the least. He, he talks about, and he, and he said, you cannot serve God in mammon. So mammon in this case would represent control. So if your hands are tightly around your wallet, when you handed your wallet away, if you went, I can't pry my fingers off this thing, there's a spirit of control that you, you feel like you have, to, you have to make sure you have your hands on it to, to, not miss, uh, to not lose it somehow. If that's the case, that should be an indicator to you of where your heart's at. Now, if I taught only on God's wealth without the heart behind it, I would be missing one of the most important parts. See, God is also frugal. I said earlier that stewardship is not just being frugal, but God is frugal. Sometimes. If you listen and do what he says, he'll, he'll get something to you many times. This has happened to me, I don't know how many times. It just happened again. I, I had a set of tools that was a, more of an off-brand that I had had for years, and they still worked. It's like, eh, but they weren't that good. I won't say the brand, but it wasn't one of the big three, okay? I would, you know, you guys know what the big three are. Uh, 
and I wanted to buy some new tools. So I went to the store and I was looking and the Lord said, no, don't buy them. And I'm like, now come on, I actually have a project I need, I need these on and my one drill broke. Like I, I, I've got to do something else. And he said, just leave the store. So I just left the store and I said, okay, I'm not going to mess with it then. I don't know why. Maybe I'll look online. Didn't feel peace about anything. And it was not even a week later. I had something else that I needed and I had given up on, I'm going to try to pursue some new tools. And I walked into the store and I was getting some other stuff and there were those tools on sale. Not just on sale, they were on clearance. I mean, I, I, I spent like half of what it would have cost to buy them less than a week before. Now, if I'd have just said, forget it, I'm just going to get them, cut my losses and go. God's not against me. He would go, son, I wish you'd listen because I could have saved you hundreds of dollars here. The thing is, if we're willing to listen to him, he'll work out some cool stuff like that. He'll, he'll take you to a place where you, you find yourself doing something that you can't justify to, to, to anyone else or even to yourself. But you go, I have peace about this. Why do I have peace about it? I, where my wife and I built a house. I bought that land and my wife wasn't even around. She was in Maryland visiting her sister. And I felt like I'm supposed to go to this land auction. What am I doing here? I don't even know what I'm doing here. What do I do? I guess I'll get a number. And I said, Lord, do it. Do it. Like, I didn't, am I going to buy something here? And how do I know what to do? Do I watch the other bidders, whatever? He said, just stand close to me. So I just, I just stood there and he said, bid. Bid. And, and there was three parcels, and, and it was, okay, sold. I had bought it. And the, and the auctioneer goes, how many do you want? I had never considered more than one. I mean, I was just getting one. And the Lord said, take the top two. I said, I'll take the top two. And my wife didn't know that, she didn't know what I was doing. She knew I was going to be there. I told her I was going to be there. But we did not have this wonderful plan worked out. And the Lord confirmed it so many ways, so many times, that not only did I purchase what I should, what we needed as a family, and what it has made, it has made all the difference in the world. But we purchased it at a time that land prices were way down at that time compared to what they are now. If I would want to buy that same property, it would be three times as much at least. So I had to be willing to swallow my logic and say, uh, bid. Yep. Yep. Now, I'm not asking you to go to land auctions and do stuff like that. You just listen to the Lord. I don't want to get you in trouble. Don't go dumping your money into a ditch, by the way. Just because we talked about it. Like, 
Everything that we talk about is examples. You need to have, you, you need to hear God's voice. You need to do what he says. And every one of us is different. He speaks to us individually and you have to flow with him. So there's so many things going on here that they all come back to relationship with him. If you allow yourself to have a relationship with him, he will instruct you, he will lead you. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 6, he talks about not worrying about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will put on. He says, uh, don't worry about the things, the practical things. I'm not going to read all of it, but Matthew 6, 25 to 33. In verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Hmm. So there is a way that all of those things can be taken care of. He didn't leave them unspoken. He didn't say, don't worry about it. It'll work out somehow. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of those things will be added to you. Everything you need. Seek first the kingdom. Now, where is the kingdom? If we think about the kingdom of God, it is not somewhere off in the sky that maybe Maybe when we die, you know, okay, absent from the body is present with the Lord, I'll find myself in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. That is, the kingdom of God is right here in front of you. He also said the kingdom of God is within you. So if you seek first the kingdom of God, he's telling you to seek something that you can find. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. It's hidden so that in your heart of worship and your pursuit of him, you find the kingdom of God. When that happens, your needs will be, will be more than taken care of. Your, your practical daily life where he says, take no thought for tomorrow. He really means just literally don't worry about it. Trust me. When you're willing to do that, your daily needs are taken care of. When I think of the motivation to make a decision, I think many times we look at, we, we go to our bank account and we say, does, our, does my bank account allow it? If I would ask you, can you pay such and such for this thing, whatever it is, you would, you would say, well, let me look how much I have. So often when the Lord speaks something to us, our answer to him includes our bank account in it. We go, well, do you know that it's not in there? Do you know that I don't, I don't have the ability to do that? Do you think God knows how much is in your account? When money is your deciding factor, when, when that is the determiner of whether you will do what God says, money, is controlling you or you are under a spirit of control. You can disagree with me, <laughs> but when you look at the decisions that are being made, tell me, is God making those decisions? Is he giving you, are you following his lead or are you following the lead of your bank account? He told me one time, never do anything for money. And he says, he makes these statements to me that they're, they're so broad that I could take that a lot of different ways. What, what do you mean never do anything for money? That means don't go after it, don't pursue it. 
That means don't serve it. Don't do it. Don't go after money. Well, how am I supposed to live then? Seek first the kingdom. He already said, he already told me how to, how to live. He told me how things will be provided. But he said, don't do it for money. So when you're making a, a job decision, you have the opportunity to either go take another position, you, you, there's a promotion offered, or maybe in another company, maybe you have to move. Maybe there are things that you say, well, this would really help us out if, if, we, would, if we would have this type of income. If your income is the decider of whether you do it, there's a good chance you are controlled by a love of money or a trust in money. When you're willing to do what God says, he will bring you into a better place than you can ever get to on your own. If, he's, if you don't have peace about it, if he says, no, stay where you are, you could end up owning that company by staying there. And it might not look like it's even possible. The thing is, when you're willing to do what he says, he will, he will navigate you around the obstacles instead of bumping into all of them that, that we do on our own. We bump into the obstacles because it just we're in this logical mindset. So if we, if we say, how can I afford to do what God says? That is probably going to be a common question for you. Like as you go along, it doesn't matter how much you have, God thinks bigger than you. So if, what you, if you're doing something that you can accomplish on your own, there's a good chance you're missing something. There's no limit to what God wants to do. If there's $100 and you say, I can spend $100, he says, I want you to spend $1,000. You say, I don't have $1,000. He says, good, spend $1,000 then. How? I'll show you. Do this. And if you follow him specifically, he will show you the way to do it. We talked, I uh, was having some conversations last time about some, some men of God who have had experiences where they've done what God said. Didn't make sense at the time but they just followed him. One guy bought a piece of property and it was one of the plain states, Nebraska or something, and there was nothing around, it was wasteland. I mean, there was, there was literally, there's no trees on it, there's no, you, you couldn't mine it, you couldn't do anything with it, couldn't farm it, there's no water. It's, it's dry wasteland. And the Lord told him to buy it and he bought it for peanuts, I mean, it was thousands for the whole, uh, several thousand dollars for the whole place because nobody wanted it. And he talked to, there's a couple friends of his that he, he, he went to and he said, hey, I feel like God wants, wants me to buy this property. I don't know. Can you guys go in with me? Like, I, you guys, you pay a little bit. I'll, we'll each just pay just a little bit. And they were like, no way. What do we want for that piece of property? No, I, we're not interested. He said, well, God's telling me to do it. They said, well, then do it. So he did. Bought it. You know, there was a short time after that. It was, I don't remember the details, uh, but it was like months, not years and years and years. The state decided they're putting a new interstate in. Right through his property. 
So, and, and there was, there was going to be a crossing of another road. So there's an exit and everything that they put in there. He now has, he owns the entire, all of the property. There's a, a mall. There's, there's all kinds of restaurants. There are, there are major things all happened on his property. Not only that, he sold a major portion of it to the state to do their stuff. And he made way more than he paid. He said every time he sees those guys that he said, hey, will you go in with me? He just laughs. He goes, hey, what do you think? He didn't know that was going to happen. They didn't either. Didn't make sense. It's wasteland. But he bought something. God led him ahead and said, do this right here. No way he could find it logically. But he finds himself not only in the place of, oh, that sort of worked out. He, he went from thousands or hundreds of thousands to hundreds of millions. Just like that. Just like that being in 10 years, let's say. All of this happened because he did what the Lord said. Now, if you hear that story and you go, okay, I'm looking for land in Nebraska. All right, we're going to see. It doesn't work that way. You can't find an investment like that by following something God told someone else to do. When he purchased it, it was as foolish as what God's telling you to do. Or it seemed as foolish. So again, kingdom laws are always at work. These, the way that God leads us, and, and we're going to get into uh, the, the actual types of giving. I just, I kept feeling this pullback from the Lord, saying, don't just talk about giving. Don't just, don't only talk about tithe, first fruits, alms, and seed. There are four different ways of giving. Four different principles that God has already established. And he has set, he set them up so that when you follow his principles, there is a harvest. Seed has a harvest. Following God's principles has a harvest. I can take uh, any seed out there and just stick it in. If there's good soil, I'll stick it in the soil. Water, sunshine, that seed is going to grow if it's a good seed. I didn't make it grow. The, the, the specifics of... It, there, there's not something I can point to that say, well, you know, if I wouldn't have done this, the seed has a calling on it, just like the seed in your, in your bank account. When you follow through with the calling that God has placed on that seed, the harvest comes up. That's where the big harvests are, doing what the Lord says. But so often when we just talk about giving and we just talk about sowing and reaping, we, we immediately turn to, Okay, what's this mean for me? What's, what's this mean for my, my bank account, my bottom line? And I, this is where the challenge is. I want you to hear this. God has something more for you, more than money. He has relationship with you. In leading you, he leads you into relationship with him so that through this, you are able to receive the true riches, the true riches of the kingdom of God. I want to just mention the four types of giving and their motivation so that you can be thinking about this because we're going to go into specifics, talk about some stories, things that the Lord has done, but to inform you of some very specific ways you can modify 
look at your actual bank accounts, how you give, and how God is able to instruct you. These are sort of, if I can say it this way, God's envelopes. These are God's system. Four different types of giving. I mentioned them, tithe, first fruits, alms, and seed. The motivation behind them is obedience, generosity, compassion, and faith. So it starts out, tithe is the first one. If you're willing to be obedient and give a tithe, give a tithe, obedience. When you say, first thing I do, when I get paid before anything else happens, I mean within a, a minute or so, I've set up my bank accounts so that I can do this. Boom, 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 move it. Move it first before anything happens. That's obedience. If you don't agree with it, it doesn't change it. It doesn't mean, it, all it means is you're not willing to do something that God already set up for you. And we'll get into the principles behind it of what that does. But if you're willing to be obedient, then you're willing to take your first fruits and give with generosity. See, first fruits are something that is new for you. When, if you think of someone that is harvesting a crop, and if we say fruits, let's use, use grapes, the first crush of those grapes, it's like this is the sweet, the sweet crush. And the Lord says, give it all away. So we'll talk about the specifics, but if you're willing to say, you know what, I didn't have this yesterday, it's kind of like the million dollars in the parking lot, or before you leave the parking lot, you didn't have it yesterday. And if God says, take what you got today and give it all away, if you're willing to do that, then your heart is open to the generosity, completely open. If you're not having a generous heart, it's still turned to yourself. There's still a worship of yourself that's happening, your own circumstances. And then the third one is compassion. And this is where, if we talk about giving to the poor, we talk, and there's some discussions we had again last time. Giving to the poor, we should always have a compassion for someone. Always willing to see them in their situation and is there a way that I can help them? Now, if we only respond to needs, if we only just see the need and give to the need, give to the need, give to the need, that again is just as foolish as holding on to everything. Because needs will be presented to you. What if there's a need in front of you, the poor, and God says, break your alabaster jar and pour it on the ground, or pour it on my head, let's say. Do what, do what Mary did. If God says, break your alabaster jar and anoint me, for burial. You go, what about the poor? That's what Judas said. See, the poor shouldn't be your determining factor of whether you give to them. Always hear the Lord. When he says, hey, give them 20 bucks. Give them 20 bucks. Even if that's all you have, just give it to them. See that compassion, seeing them in their situation, being willing to see them from God's heart because he's after their heart too. So, obedience, first one. Generosity, second one. Compassion, third one. The fourth one is seed. So the motivation for seed is faith. This is where God says, 
Now, I want you to sow in this place. And you have to believe for it. There's a faith that's required. If you don't have the faith for it, don't sow. If you're willing to do what God says, and he's opened up your heart through these other types of giving, through obedience, generosity, compassion, then when he says, have faith for this, you're no longer holding on to it. See, the other three types of giving are what opens you up for the, the type of giving that really has rewards. It's faith and reward. So I want you to be thinking about these things over this next week, and I want to get into specifics of it. How it works. How it works for me. God can lay it out differently for you, but I'll tell you how it works for me and what, what has changed in my, my life for my wife and I and how things have shifted when we started to follow God's principles. But allow Him to look into your heart. Allow Him to tell you, to show you, do you have a heart that is obedient? Do you have a heart that is generous? Do you have a heart of compassion? And are you willing to live by faith? This message of stewards of the king, always going back to the heart of the king, this message is one that I know it takes time processing through this. It takes the Lord being able to speak to you. Now, hopefully he's been able to speak to you this morning. Hopefully there's, there are things in your life specifically that he said, I want you to come and I want to address this with you. If you're willing to hear him on it, spend time with him. I mean that. Spend time with him this week. Allow him to open up your wallet, open up your bank account, open up your heart, and see the ties that are there. Allow him to reveal those to you. Remember, being a steward of the king is knowing the king intimately, having the king's heart, having a heart after God's own heart. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, just close out in a time of prayer. And I know that I'm, even, even husbands and wife, I was mentioning taking time individually, processing with the Lord. As, as the Lord shows you things, He may even be showing you something right now. Begin to interact and tell each other. Even if you go, I don't know what this means, but... Those are wonderful conversations. Be vulnerable with each other. And then, be willing to talk to other people about your situation, about what the Lord's put on your heart. Not to get direction from them, but to inspire each other. Tell them what the Lord's been showing you. So, this is my challenge in this time. I just wanna pray for you guys. And I, I really want, I want there to be a willingness to hear God. So if you have, I don't know if you have a, notes on your phone um, or a way that you can document something that God's telling you. If you have a pen and paper, if God is putting something on your heart, get out a pen, go on the notes on your phone, write it down, even if it's basic. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to answer for it. But just write it down. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time of hearing your voice, hearing your heart, knowing that you have a heart for us, 
You have set things in place for us. You have you have presented your kingdom to us and you've invited us to partner with you. You've invited each one of us individually to come into relationship with you, to pursue you, to pursue the kingdom of God, to, to come after you. And in doing that, you've promised to take care of us. You've promised that there would be more than enough. There would be abundance. So Lord, I pray right now that each person that's here, each one that's may even be wrestling with these things, may even be struggling with what really, what does this mean for me, for us as a couple or as a family, may be questioning where all have we been misled or have we, have we misunderstood this. Father, I pray that you would bring clarity. I pray that he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I pray that the eyes of their heart being enlightened, they would know what is the hope of their calling. I pray that you would open up each one of our hearts this next week to be able to see the specifics of what it means to us, to each one that's here and each one that's watching online. I pray, Father, that this would be a time of allowing you to come into the, the recesses of our heart, the depth of where we may have been holding on to something for security and for safety. I pray that we would turn everything over to you in openness and say, Lord, you have everything that I have. I am yours 100%, including my bank account, including my wallet, including every, everything that I have, hopes and dreams for the future, our house, our, our possessions, everything that, that we have looked to, that, that we've put our trust in. Father, I pray that these conversations would happen and that you would, you would speak individually and prepare us to be able to hear you next week as well. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being our king. Thank you, Father, for promising to take care of us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.